Amen. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate that so much. That song has got a tremendous message to it. That exalts our blessed Lord. Please turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 4. Ephesians, chapter number 4. Good to see you this morning. Welcome to our visitors today. May the Lord bless you. Those that are at home listening, pray God will bless you and heal you and help you as well. This morning, Ephesians chapter number 4 is where I'd like for you to look. A couple of weeks ago, the Lord laid on my heart to preach on the subject of the blessing of being forgiven. You know, the Bible says that David described the blessings of the man. He said, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. So I ask you this morning, are you forgiven this morning? And is your name written down in the book of life? And I sure hope it is. Jesus said that is the reason to rejoice. That your names are written down. You are richly blessed this morning if you have been forgiven of your sins. Now this morning I want to continue along that thought except in the area of this. Two weeks ago I preached on the, the blessing of being forgiven. And this morning I want to preach on the blessing of forgiving. The blessing of forgiving. This has been on my heart now for about 10 or 12 days. Can't shake it. I believe that when the Lord does that to me, that there is somebody that's been praying for some help. And the Lord has some help for you today if you listen to the word of the Lord. Let's talk about this. Let's look at the word of God. Ephesians chapter 4. Look with me in verse number 17. The blessing of forgiving. Very simple message. But a very powerful message based upon divine truth. Ephesians 4 verse 17. The Bible says, This I say therefore in testifying the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. It is God's will since you have been saved that you no longer walk the way you used to walk, and the way that the world walks. That's a pretty simple statement. Okay? He wants you to go in a different direction. He wants you to turn and go against the flow. All right. Now, he's leading up to something here in this passage. Verse 22. He said, The will of God is that you put off concerning the former conversation or lifestyle, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust." And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That is where that now you're going to have to change the way you look at things, the way you think about things. You are, were saved by the law of faith by applying the gospel to your life. But now you are to live by the spirit of faith. And the Bible says here in verse number 24 that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Alright, now for sake of time we're going to skip a few of these verses and, and hit some of the main ones I want to deal with. I want you to notice in verse number 25, Wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. And verse 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, which you are sealed on the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath 
and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now look at this carefully. He says, and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Oh, I pray that you'll receive this message today. Father in heaven, I ask in Jesus' name that you'd empower your servant. Bless me, I pray. God, grant me liberty, power. May the word of God have free course. May it be received and believed and acted upon by faith, by your dear children, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I want to talk to you about this thing about forgiving. All right, about forgiving. I want you to look in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 4 and 5. Just a simple uh, thought here about forgiving. First of all, I want to say that the Father initiated forgiveness in your life. Your heavenly Father initiated forgiveness in your life. Chapter 2 describes that we were dead in trespasses and sins. And we walked according to the prince and power of the air. We were children of disobedience. We were children of wrath. Deserving of the judgment of God. But verse number 4 says, but God. That means He's the one who initiated your forgiveness. But God who is rich in mercy. Meaning you are not going to receive what you deserve. God who is rich in mercy for His great love. Wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ. The Father initiated forgiveness toward us. Now you are familiar with Romans chapter number 5, where it says, But God commendeth his love toward us. When? And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When you say that he initiated that and not us. Galatians says in fullness of time, God sent forth his son. Sent forth his son. And that son came to be the propitiation for our sins. So God initiated forgiveness. So keep all this in mind because this is going to be the foundation of you being able to forgive each other. God initiated the forgiveness in, in my life and in your life. Now, not only did the Father initiate it, but the Son demonstrated this. Look in chapter 1, verse number 7. The Bible says, In whom we have redemption. Who's the whom there? Jesus. In whom we have redemption. You know what that word redemption means? It means somebody paid your sin debt. Debt is always likened unto paying a bill. Like paying a monetary bill. And he says, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Look at this. The forgiveness of sins. According to the riches of his grace. The father initiated this and said, son, I'm going to send you to the earth to be the payment for these wicked people. These ungodly people. And even these that are our enemies. 
I'm going to send you. And the son said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. And the father stepped out of heaven, laid aside his divinity for a little bit, and wrapped himself in humanity. Or should I say, at least turned his divinity down a bit. And put on humanity. So, the son demonstrated this by even his prayer upon the cross. While he was becoming the payment for my sin, and the grounds for me to be forgiven... While he's hanging there on the tree, he's looking down upon this crowd who has beaten him, mocked him, scourged him, shamed him, reproached him. And he looks up to the Father, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So the Father initiated this, and the Son demonstrates this on the cross. Not only is he being the propitiation for my sins... But he is showing me how that he wants me to forgive you and for you to forgive me. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That doesn't mean that they were totally ignorant and innocent. But they didn't understand the weight and the damage and the significance of what they have done. And people that have hurt you and people who have hurt me. I'm not saying they were completely ignorant and completely innocent. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that they did not sometimes comprehend the weight and the damage that they were doing. You'll notice here now, I mentioned the Father and I mentioned the Son. You'll look with me please in chapter 4 again. Now let's talk about the Holy Spirit. How the Trinity is involved in this thing about forgiving. The Father initiated this. I think we're all in agreement with that. The Son demonstrated that. I think we're all in agreement with that. But now the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in chapter 4 that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is grieved when the children of God do not illustrate this. One to another. Look at this. Verse 30. He says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. We are never more Christ-like than when we choose to forgive one another. You know the saying is, To err is human, to forgive is divine. That is true. Now, in this context of this scripture, if I am going to not grieve the Holy Ghost, if I am going to be, look in chapter 5, verse 1. He said, be ye therefore followers of God as what? Dear children. Dear children. The Father initiates this. The Son demonstrates this. The Holy Spirit is pleased. If we as His children illustrate this to each other, And imitate this, meaning we follow Him and follow His pattern. But He is grieved if we choose not to do this. And when He is grieved, you're going to suffer for that. You're going to lose some things. Now I want you to look with me in this passage quickly. Let's follow along here. Look with me in chapter number 4 here. You know, verse number 20. First of all, there are some things that I have to avoid. If I am going to illustrate this, if I am going to learn how to forgive, 
If I am going to choose to forgive, if I am going to choose not to grieve the Holy Ghost, then there's got to be some things that I must avoid. Alright? You'll notice in verse number 20, he, uh, he says this, But you have not so learned Christ. So there are some things for me to learn, and Jesus is going to teach me through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. He said, If so be that you have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus. And He says, You're going to have to put off that former man and not listen to him. Now look at this. Look in verse number 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. If you do not avoid these things, the anger that comes with being hurt or offended or disappointed, and some of you have suffered deeply, some more than others, and there is someone right now in your mind or in your heart or in your life that you have a very difficult time with them, forgiving them. Some have even made statements. Christians should never make this statement, but they do. Sometimes out of anger and bitterness. I will never forgive them for what they have done. You must never say that. When you say that, you have just given place to the devil. And the devil is merciless. And he will gain ground in your life. And he will begin to sprinkle seeds of bitterness and grudges into your heart. You will lose your joy. You will lose the peace of God. And you will not be able to maintain your spiritual strength because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Don't give place to the devil. Don't give place to the devil. And he says, neither give place to it. And by the way, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 warns the church at Corinth not to give the adversary an advantage. He said, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So what were they doing? Well, they had disciplined somebody that had sinned against the church and it appears as if this person had repented and was asking to be forgiven. Even if you don't initiate forgiveness, but if somebody approaches you and says, look, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? And if you refuse to do that, you have just opened the door up for demonic activity into your life, into your mind and into your spirit. And the Word of God is making it very clear, don't do this. Yeah, you're going to get upset. Yes, you're going to get angry. Yes, things are going to happen because that's the way we are as humans. You know what a grudge is? The definition of a grudge by Webster, it it is a continued feeling of hostility or ill will against someone over a real grievance Or a supposed grievance. Nonetheless, it's real to you. And you wish not for their prosperity, nor their advancement, nor for their blessing. Instead, you're hoping that the will of justice grinds them to powder. And you want God to get them. 
or the devil to get them or somebody to get them. This thing here about be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. I read this story of two young brothers that got into a fight. And the younger was bitter and angry at his other brother. And the mother reminded them both about what they had heard in church about the danger of anger. The older wanted to reconcile, the younger did not. Mother again reminded him of not allowing the son to go down on his wrath. And the young brother replied after thinking about it for a while. And he said, well, how can I ask God to keep the sun from going down? Many of us want God to do something to fix it rather than us doing our part. Anger, malice, and ill will can leave a strain of sorrow. Ask for forgiveness. By His grace before it is tomorrow. Ask Him to help you. Grudges are those who insist that they are owed something. To be wronged is to be, is common among mankind. But you're going to have to learn to continue that you must not feed that grudge and that hostile feeling that you have towards somebody else. Now I want you to, 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 to look carefully at some things here in this passage, alright? It says here that you need not. You have to avoid these things. Roots of bitterness. But there also are some things that I need to apply. I need to avoid the anger. You say, God, I need grace to forgive. I know that and I'll talk to you about that in just a moment. You don't just pluck it out of the air. But in chapter 4, You notice again in verse number 30, there are some things to avoid. I must avoid anger and bitterness and grudges and quarreling. I have to. But there are some things I must apply. C.S. Lewis said that everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. But in verse 30, there are some things I must apply. And what I want to focus on this morning is helping you You know that you need to forgive. I didn't have to spend the first 10 or 20 minutes of the message this morning admonishing you that you know you need to forgive somebody. You know if you're saved and the Holy Spirit lives in you, you know it ain't right to hold a grudge, hard feelings, bad feelings. You say, well, Brother Roger, you really don't comprehend what this individual has done to me or my family or my my children or my, my wife. You just don't know. Listen carefully to me. Do you understand what forgiveness is? Do you understand that I can forgive an individual without becoming their best friend the next day? Do you know that forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation? Did you know that? For example, let's say that you have a husband and wife and one has committed adultery several times. And so it comes to the divorce court and biblically one is granted that freedom because of adultery. Now that wife can choose to forgive that husband who has been unfaithful. But it does not mean that she has to reconcile with him in the marriage. So when she chose to forgive him, here's what she did. She said, I no longer want anything evil 
to happen to you. I no longer want judgment to come your way. I forgive you for what you have done to me. I choose to forgive you for what you have done to me. I do not wish ill will upon you. I do not wish for the judgment of God upon you. I do not wish for any evil thing to come your way. I choose to forgive you. You say, well, is that really what forgiveness is? Okay, I want you to think about this. Forgiveness is like debt. Forgiveness is like being forgiven of a debt. All right, let me show you something. That Turn with me to um, Matthew 18 real quick, would you? Matthew 18. Matthew 18. This is a this illustration, and I really, really, really searched for some good illustrations on this subject, and the Holy Spirit said, why don't you use mine that I wrote? I said, okay, Lord. Matthew 18. Look at this with me. This is about offenses, discussing things with people who've offended you, trying to reconcile, things of that nature. But here's the thing about, about this. I am to reciprocate. Forgiveness to others. I am to forgive as I have been forgiven. Look, here's an illustration of this. And there are no perfect illustrations, but boy, this one comes close. Look at Matthew 18 with me, please. Look there with me, and uh, because the reason why this story has been given to us is because Jesus had taught his men to forgive. And you know what Peter said? Peter's thinking about this. He said, okay, Lord, uh, how many times have I got to forgive my brother? And so Peter's thinking, okay, now, you know, if I, if seven times in a day, that's a lot. So I'm going to, I'm going to introduce this to the Lord. Say, so, yeah, I tell you what, Lord, how many times have I got to forgive brother Ed? Seven times in a day? That's a lot. And so the Lord looks at him and says in verse 22, he said, I said, I said not until seven times. Nope, that's not enough. He said until 70 times seven. How many times have I got to forgive Brother Ed in one day? You math students. 490. Do you think the Lord wants me to stop at 490? Or is he just trying to imply that, hey, there's no end to this? All right. So he gives them this illustration. And it's about money and debts. Verse 23. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king which had taken account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought into him which owed him 10,000 Talents. Uh, back when I looked at this years ago, this was about approximately $10 million. $10 million. Probably, no doubt, inflation is more than that now. For as much as he had not to pay, you keep that in mind of what God did for you when he saved you. The, the, the goal here is for you to understand how much you owed God and God forgave you. Verse 25, for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, his wife, his children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and what's the next phrase? Forgave him the debt. Forgave him the debt, released him from paying him back, set him free. Verse 26. The servant, therefore, look at verse 27. Then the Lord of that servant was moved compassion. Verse 28. But the same servant, 
went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, which was approximately about fifteen dollars. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat. That's pretty serious for fifteen bucks. saying, Pay me that thou owest. And the fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, I will pay thee all. So obviously this was a poor individual. Verse 30, and he said he would not. That would not means that it was a choice of the will. It was a choice of the will. He said, No, I am not going to forgive you of your debt. He said he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Now look at this. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were what? Somebody's grieved over this. Do you know the saints of God inside this church right here are grieved when you will not forgive each other? When folks know that you're at odds with somebody, you have a hostile spirit toward another brother or sister in this church, that it grieves the body? Because they know that you are commanded to forgive and you should forgive, but you choose not to forgive. We're not asking you to go to their house and have supper with them. All right, now watch. He says they were very sorry, very sorry, and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for you. We're going to tell our Father on you. We're going to tell God. You say, well, he's already aware. I'm going to tell him anyhow. Say, Lord, brother so-and-so and brother so-and-so need to get this thing fixed. Sister so-and-so, sister so-and-so, they need to fix this. They need to forgive each other as Christ has forgiven them. Keep in mind, the book of Philippians got two women's names. Two women's names. How about if next Sunday morning I say, Christy, would you put sister Cindy's name in there? And Sister uh, Abigail Overton's name in there and tell them to get it fixed. Hmm? Have it read. That's what he told them to do. Why? Because it was hurting the unity of the church at Philippi and it was going to affect ultimately even their mission program. Because when people are at odds with each other, people take sides. And then when they do get things fixed, there's still that effect. This happens in your family. This happens in your family. All right, now watch. Here's what the Lord did. The Bible says in verse 32, how did the Lord respond to this? And it says, then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant. I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. I'm going to tell you what I remember when the Lord, when I bowed my knee and asked the Lord to save me, I sure desired for Him to forgive me of all of my sins. He said, Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? You have to look at it, everything in your relationship with other people in this direction, as difficult as it is. And as aggravating as people can be, and as harmful and hurtful as they can be, your relationship in this direction is directly affected by your relationship in this direction. 
If you can keep in mind how much compassion God has had upon you and how that He initiated the forgiveness and the Son demonstrated by praying for the people who hurt Him and ask the Father to forgive them. I mean, are you a godly person? Are you a godly person? Well, you're either godly or you're ungodly. And godly is to be a forgiving person. You know who are the two most happiest people in a church? Are people who give and people who forgive. You look at a marriage that's long-lasting and where they're still laughing and they're still holding hands and you say, well, man, they must have just been a perfect match. They've been married for 40 years and they still like each other. No, there was giving and there was forgiving. I remember when we renewed your parents' wedding vows. She was asked to give her testimony about how they lasted that long. She kept about saying, and I, I learned how to forgive and to forgive and to forgive and to forgive. He said his dad was sweating BBs while she was saying that. And normally, sometimes, usually there's more having to do forgiving than the other. Usually. And the same is true in the church of God. You want to finish your course? You want to finish the race God's called you to do? Then you're going to have, if you're going to be in this thing till the end, till the bell sounds, and, and you're going to keep fighting till the end, and you're going to stay in church and serve God and do right, you must choose to forgive. It'll never be a convenient time to do it. Never. All right. And so you'll notice it says here in Matthew 18, it says in verse number uh, 33. He said, Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors. Man, I don't want the Lord. If you're tormented, it's because you're grieving the Holy Ghost. You've given place to the devil. Do you understand? There'll be no peace. There'll be no joy. You're going to be an angry, bitter, ugly person if you don't learn how and choose to forgive. Now, I want to quickly turn with you to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I need to show you something there real good, okay? This is, this is really good. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. And not because I'm preaching, but because of what it says. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at this right here. You know, sometimes people have fallen outs and disagreements to the point of where that they're even thinking about taking somebody to court. That's pretty serious. You agree? If we had a couple of brethren in here that had a fallen out, and you guys are talking about getting lawyers, and you're talking about going to court, it would grieve this whole church. It would be sad. It would be grievous. Look in 1 Corinthians 6. So Paul lays this out for them. Verse 1. Look at this. Now listen, he's going to do this in contrast to what I've been preaching on. Watch what he says. Dare dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints. If you can't get this thing fixed, then get some brethren and say, hey, let's sit down and talk about this. But look what he said. Don't go to court. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you not unworthy to judge? Look at this. The what? The smallest matter. You say, well, it ain't small to me, but it is small in the eyes of God. 
Your offense is a small thing in the eyes of God compared to what He did for you. That's the point here. Now for sake of time, let's skip down here in verse number 7. Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you because you go to law one with another. You're at conflict, you're at division, you're, you're, you're after each other's throat. He said, why do you not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Nay, you do wrong and defraud and that's your brethren. Now this is where he brings in what God did for us. No, you're not. Now if we're going to start marking matters and marking offenses, if that's what we're fixing to start doing, and we're going to bid each other's throat. Then let's start marking them between you and God. Look in verse 9. He says, Be not deceived. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He says, Be not deceived, neither fornicators. Are there anybody in here that were fornicators before you got saved? Don't raise your hand, please. But you were not a virgin when you got married. That you're a fornicator. You were a fornicator. You say, I don't like that. Too bad. I didn't write this. Just reading the mail. Don't hate the mailman. He said, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners. He said, none of these people are going to the to kingdom of God. He said, can I remind you in verse number 11, how much you owe God? Verse 11 says, and such were some of you. He said, but look at this, you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. He said the next time you have a fallen out with somebody, you just kind of look at that thing in light of what you were and what God did for you. Thank you, Brother Ed. I'm going to help you. Amen, Brother Roger. Now look at this. Go back with me to our passage in Ephesians. Now I know the Holy Ghost is dealing with some of you or He would not have burned this in my heart. Do you sense the passion in my voice this morning? Do you sense the urgency and the burden in my heart? Which means that the Lord is trying to help somebody here this morning. I hope He does that every service. But some more than others sometimes. Which I I don't comprehend that. Every service is different. When you come to church sometimes. But you'll notice here that there are some things that I am to, I'm to reciprocate forgiveness to you. That is what God wants for me. Now the world has its own ideas of sorrow, peace, and, and of dealing with forgiveness. But you know what it is? It's all self-serving. That's why they don't last. In other words, if Brother Dwayne and I have a, a falling out... And I'm angry with him and I don't fix it. And I'm hostile toward him and I don't really, don't really like and don't want to be around him to the point where sometimes I even avoid going to church because I know I'll see him there. Then I realize it's affecting my health. My blood pressure's going up. My immune system's going down. 
Fatigue is coming into my life. All of this is documented by medical clinics of people who have grudges and bitterness in their heart. It affects, directly affects their health. So they sit down with them with a psychiatrist or a psychologist and says, Hey, here's seven steps of how to forgive and you need to do this for your sake. And so I'm looking at that and saying, you know what, I don't want to die early, so I'll tell you what, Brother Wayne ain't worth that, so I'm going to, I'm going to choose to forgive him. No, you're not worth it, but the fight's not worth it. You're, you know what I mean. I hope, yeah, you're feeling the love? But I choose to forgive him, but why did I choose to forgive him? It was self-serving. I didn't do it because it pleased God. I didn't do it because it was good for him. I did it because it was getting to be too much of a burden for me. It's a psychological thing. It's an emotional thing. And therefore, it won't last. Because it takes grace to get rid of a root of bitterness. It takes God to do it. Which means I must humble myself before the Lord and choose to walk by faith and not by feelings. To choose to walk by faith and not by sight. Now, Ephesians says here in verse number 32, chapter 4, verse 32, look at this. Well, verse 31 and verse number 32. Look at this. It has to do with my relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'm not to grieve Him. Verse 31 says that all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Do you think that's all inward stuff towards somebody? Hmm? He said in verse 32, and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Alright. So why did God forgive you? For Christ's sake. Why are you to, why am I, why am I, how can I please God in my relationship with Brother Dwayne? I choose to forgive him. Why? For Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. According to 1 John chapter number 2 it is, he says, God has forgiven me of my sins for his name's sake. For Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. My heavenly Father wants me to walk in a way that's pleasing to Him. And therefore, I will deny myself of my feelings. And I will say, Lord, you're right, I'm wrong, you forgave me. And if you'll give me the grace, Lord, I choose to forgive my brother. Again, it does not mean that he and I may be reconciled as far as we may not go fishing together the next day. But I no longer wish ill will toward him. I no longer avoid him. And I can be friendly to him without being his friend. Because I have forgiven him. Just like a husband and wife that may be divorced, doesn't mean that she's going to be, she has forgiven him. She's no longer hostile toward him. She doesn't invite him over to the house, but she's no longer hostile. Do you understand the difference here? And the forgiveness. So, I need you to understand this. Turn with me to one more passage. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. Colossians 3. Look at this now. Colossians 3. Look at verse 12. Look at this. You see here we're talking about for you as a believer. Rather than listening to what the doctor says or what the lawyer tells you or what the psychologist tells you. Why don't you choose... 
to listen to what the Holy Spirit says through the Holy Scriptures for the believer. It is a step of faith. It is an act of obedience. It is a motive that is spiritual outside of yourself. Look in verse 12. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another. You know what that word forbearing means? It means let it go. Overlook it. If you are easily offended, it's going to be hard. You're going to be forgiven all day, every day. Somebody. Some things you just overlook. And consider, hey, that was just a bad day. He didn't mean that. She didn't mean that. They didn't know what they were doing. They don't understand the consequences. Oh, no, no. Find a way to be forbearing with somebody. Let it go. Overlook it. He said, forbearing one another. And then he says, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness or maturity. And let the peace of God, because there will be no peace if you don't do this. Let the peace of God rule in your heart, to which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Man, to forgive now, I no longer wish to retaliate. I no longer wish for your undoing or your harm. All right, now let's transport ourselves back in time. My name is Stephen. I've been chosen because I'm a spiritual man who loves God, who just wants to serve. While I'm out doing the Lord's will, some people get upset with me that are religious. They bring me before the courts. I stand and testify for God. And I give them a history of our, of our nation and a history of the Word of God. And while I am speaking to them, they begin to gnash their teeth against me. And they take me out to have me stoned to death. And while they're stoning me to death, the Lord, I can see Him. I've got my eyes on Him, not on them. And the Bible says that as he, they were throwing those rocks at Him, He was praying for them. And He says, Father, lay not this sin to their charge. How in the world could he say something like that? We'd have said, God, I'm coming home. Get them. Lord, kill them and get them. That's what we'd have been saying while that rock was hitting you upside the head. Everybody has a game plan until they get slapped upside the head. You can't do that without the Holy Spirit. You're having a good relationship with Him. This is beyond the natural man. This is a spiritual thing that God will give you grace to do if you'll humble yourself before Him. Now, in closing, I want to encourage you this morning, if God has spoken to your heart, go to Him and say, Lord, I I know what you want me to do, but I can't do it unless you give me grace, but by faith. Have you ever heard of Corey Ten Boom? How many of you have heard of her? Raise your hand. I want to know. How many of you ever heard of her? She, what did she, what did she, uh, she protected people during, uh, the, uh, World War II, during the time of the Nazis and the, and the Jews and, Snuck Bibles in, hid people, did all kind of stuff to try to help people. But there was a time before that began, she could do those things of when her and her sister and some other ladies were brutally humiliated by these Nazi guards, stripped, 
and mocked and ridiculed and flea-infested places and just cruel things. And then when the Lord delivered her out of that, and she she uh, began to later on in her life t- to lecture and and give testimonies of how that God had aided her, and how that she did her very best to forgive everybody that had hurt her. Her sister died as a result of some of these things. She said she was giving a lecture one night at uh, at a place, and uh, she recognized. In the audience, one of the Nazi guards was there. She said, he did not recognize me, but I recognized him. She was just another face among a bunch of women that he had ridiculed and abused. She was giving her testimony about those things. And and the reality of forgiving somebody really, really came home to her when she had to look at this person eyeball to eyeball. But on top of that, after the services were over... This man came up to her and put his hand out and he said, Listen, I rejoice tonight in what you said about the forgiveness that is in Christ Jesus. I've been born again. I've been saved. I'm sorry for the things and the abuse and all the things that I had a part in. Would you forgive me? And she said it was her emotions were rejecting this situation, all of the hate, all of the feelings, all the things that emotions that had come through her when she was in that situation, what happened to her sister, all of that was boiling up in her. And she was looking at this guy and she said she just couldn't raise her hand up and, and do it. And she said the Lord spoke to her heart and she was crying out for grace. And he said, he said, do it by faith. Trust me. Obey me. Forgive as you have been forgiven. And she, by faith, contrary to her emotions, put her hand out into his hand. And she said what the Lord wanted her to say. And she says, I I forgive you. And she said when she did that act of faith and obedience, she said she cannot explain it, but she said it was like the love of God just filled her body. And the peace of God and the grace of God Filled her body, but not until she took that act of faith and obedience to do so. Now, this is not make-believe. This is something you got to work at. Because if you look back in Ephesians, I said one more verse, but let's go back to our text. And I am done with this passage right here. Look back in Ephesians, a few pages back to your left. Look in Ephesians 4 and look in verse 30. Look at this. I, I, I've got to... It's verse 32. For me to be able to do this on a consistent basis, to maintain my joy, my sanity in this realm. Because there's always somebody doing something that's stupid. Somebody's always hurting somebody that I love. Somebody's always, and I love you, and when somebody hurts you, it hurts me. And when somebody hurts one of my children, it hurts me. I've been pastoring for over 40 years, and there's always something that happens that has hurt my children through the years. People. So how do I deal with that? How do I keep my joy? Just ignore it? Just walk in make-believe? Or do I ask God and do see help? Alright, now look. Here's how you can do some of this. I don't know all the answers, but I know it works. You'll notice in, in Ephesians 4 and verse number 32. 
He says, be you kind one to another, tender hearted. I'm going to tell you what I have to, what I have to work at. I have to work at keeping my heart tender. He says, because I'm going to tell you something, without a tender heart, it's hard to forgive. You hard hearted? Nah, you're probably not going to do it. Forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Bear with me for a few more minutes and the urgency of this plea to you for this invitation. This is critical for the next step in your life. If you're going to forgive, you're going to have to remind yourself consistently of what God has done for you. How do you do that? Reading the Bible. If you'll read Colossians chapter number 1, you're to thank Him even for the forgiveness of sins, the Bible says. You're to thank Him for that. Every day you ought to thank God for forgiving you of your sins. Colossians chapter number 1 says that, I believe it is. And Ephesians chapter 1 says the same thing in whom we have redemption, even and forgiveness of sins. I am to thank Him daily and that reminds me of the debt that was paid through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I need to listen to the right kind of music. It is our hymns and our psalms that remind us of the great price that was paid for my sins. I have a few of them here. I couldn't... I make up my own words sometimes and I try not to do all, that all the time, but like this one. Alas, and did my Savior bleed? And did my Sovereign die? Would He devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? And listen to this. Now, listen, I'm talking about me singing this throughout the day. Picking a hymn and singing it. Was it for crimes? That I have done. He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity. Grace unknown. And love beyond degree. That was me. But drops of grief. Can they repay? The debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. I hear that sometimes on a CD. I hear that sometimes, me singing that to myself because of what I have heard at church. I am reminded of this one. Lord, now indeed I find Thy power in Thine alone can change the leper spots and melt the heart of stone. For nothing good have I whereby Thy grace to claim. I'll wash my garments white in the blood of Calvary's Lamb. And when before the throne I stand in Him complete, Jesus died my soul to save. My lips shall still repeat. That is what keeps my heart tender. Is reminding myself of the great debt that I owed the king. And the king was moved with compassion toward me and forgave me of all of my debt. And what you have done to me, what you have said about me, what you have done to my children, what you have said about my children. And you can put yourself in my same words I just said. I'm not shooting arrows at you. 
None of that, as much as, as much as it may be this much debt, it does not compare to the debt that I owed. And the least that I can do is obey Him and choose to forgive you and to initiate that forgiveness. You may not even want to be forgiven, but I'm going to choose to forgive you anyway. As far as I know, when Jesus prayed on that cross, that crowd didn't hear that prayer, all of them that they had sinned against Him and hurt Him. As far as I know, when Stephen cried aloud, I don't know that everybody heard it, but Saul heard it. And it pricked his heart because he saw something divine in that man's heart that be able to forgive even his enemies while they were hurting him. Do you understand that God has been very, 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 very good to you? Never forget it. And by the way, the third thing that will help you forgive each other is you start witnessing to people about how God saved you, when He saved you, and you keep telling people about how God forgave you. Boy, I tell you what, it just kind of keeps the heart tender and warm. When you witness, when you tell people about the Lord like that demoniac that got saved, and the Lord said, no, you can't stay with me, but you go tell your friends and your neighbors and the people at the house how great compassion I have had upon thee. And He did. It'll keep that remembrance of what God did for you so that you don't forget. Like Second Peter 1 warns us about forgetting. And you keep coming to church and you keep participating in the Lord's Supper. Because it is at the Lord's Supper that God shows you an image and a picture of the body that bore your sins. And the blood that was shed to reconcile you to God. And He says, do this in my remembrance of the great price that was prayed, paid for your debt. And that will help you. When you keep looking in this direction, it will help you in this direction to forgive one another. For a church to have joy and to keep pressing on and to keep giving and doing what's right, you absolutely must forgive. You are a church that has provoked other churches to give more and to give more and to give more and to give more. Like Brother Ron's church has provoked us, like Shady Acres has provoked us, you have provoked. Your reputation is great across the land of giving to missions. When's the last time you heard of a church that has a great reputation of forgiving? Forgiving. Your giving will wane when your forgiving falls by the wayside. The unity of an assembly, the harmony of an assembly, all of that is what affects the productivity of an assembly. A house divided cannot stand. Let us stand together, please. Ask my dear wife if she would to come to the piano. I have delivered my burden, my soul to you. I pray that you would choose by the grace of God to forgive one another. And maybe you just simply need to come to the altar and talk to the Lord about something, ask Him for grace. Or maybe, maybe when you go home today, you just need to get along with God and say, Lord, I heard the message. You spoke to me today. I will choose to obey you by faith. I pray that you would do that. I pray you'd stay in the will of God. Stay in your place. Forgive that person right now, right now that you harbor ill will toward. There will be another person that will come on the scene. Choose to forgive that person for Christ's sake. Heavenly Father, thy servant has tried to be obedient, sensitive to the Holy Ghost. 
I leave this now message in your hands as you deal with your wonderful children. May we be followers as dear children. In Jesus' name. With our heads bowed, I pray right now you'd obey the Holy Ghost.